Mountain Zoo. I was more interested in showing off than writing a coherent song. Oh, but he made a coherent song. Welcome to the Demo Team Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have Connor from Boys Night Out. <laughs> Hello, I feel very special. Connor, why don't you uh, introduce yourselves to our audience, who's probably going to be like a majority of your audience, because you have a, a very devoted following that has like, migrated over to our page. But introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. My name's Connor. I used to sing in a band called Boys Night Out, and uh, now I don't really do that so much anymore, but I do maintain the social media for Boys Night Out, and also uh, currently sing in a band called Pale Drone, and uh, and run a, an augmented reality messaging company called Pictar Digital Media. Which is sick as fuck, by the way. I wanted to do that. <laughs> I want everybody to know, because like, you sent me that thing, which we will not speak of. But um, No, we can talk about it. It's fine. All right. So he sent me uh, a nice little transposition of uh, Trainwreck mixed with uh, Armor for Sleep. And like he told me, he's just like, oh, just point it at like the album cover. And I did. And, this, and Connor just magically appeared on my <laughs> screen, just serenading me this amazing ballad. So it's just like, what you're doing with Pictar, I want to make sure we get this out. At the start of this podcast, because people need to check out what you're doing with this uh, Pictar Digital Media, because you guys are doing some awesome shit. I can see Thank this you. blowing up. This could be something that's going to blow up in the next couple of years. And we got the scoop. You got the scoop, man. That I mean, that really? sounds absolutely amazing. Um, I know you you emailed us about it, and I was kind of bummed because um, when you emailed us, I was actually out in Chicago for work, so I wasn't near, you know, any of my. Uh, Boy, boys not out record so i couldn't point my phone at, at the at the cover art but i'm definitely going to check it out once we uh finish up here but yeah tell us a little about that i guess oh i mean it's uh so a friend of mine tristan who i mean we've we've played together uh i screamed on his old band uh, always outnumbered uh record many many years ago like 20 years ago i screamed on the opening track I've known Tristan since long before that. We we started a company together uh, making soundproofing and uh, sound solutions. So we wanted to make, say, stuff for recording studios where you could hold your phone up to a sound panel and up would pop a message and augmented reality of, from one of the bands that recorded there. And stuff like that. Just trying to find ways we can make uh, boring old soundproofing more interesting while you're killing town time in a recording studio, which I've done a lot of. Uh, and through it, we, we happened to make this, this thing, which we thought was really cool. And just uh, where you could use your phone, no app downloads, you know, get uh, a link pointed at something and up would pop a message and just augmented reality in kind of like this magical way. So we've, we've been developing it, using it to make anything from business cards to album covers, all that kind of come to life when you point your phone at it. 
That that's pretty cool, man. I can't wait to check that out. Um, did Ryan say that you you like popped up in his phone and started singing? <laughs> yeah, well, because that ridiculous and amazing Facebook post that sparked all this. Uh, where where was the vote for your favorite um, concept, concept record? Yeah, so Armor for Sleep, you know, What to Do When You're Dead uh, versus Trainwreck. And so uh, I was just having fun. I just, I saw it, the tag popped up in my feed, and I like commenting on stuff and just being an idiot. Um, and just was responding to everybody, so I just, I dropped it in there. I'm like, well, obviously, I'm going to vote for Armor for Sleep because I love those guys. Uh, and it's funny because this also opened up a channel for, you know, me and Ben talking again, and we haven't spoken in years just from being separated from time and distance. Uh, but yeah, so I, I posted it up in there and, you know, then they came back and voted for train wreck and it, it all stemmed from that, man. So it was just me basically with a banjo, uh, singing along to, uh, <laughs> What what song did I sing along to? Was it Car Underwater? It was indeed, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, just fun stuff, man. And we've been doing a lot of that guerrilla marketing, just hitting up record labels and being like, hey, point your phone at this album on your roster and I'll pop up being like, hey, I'm in your house now. Yo. <laughs> I live with you. <laughs> I, yes, and I am very high maintenance. <laughs> and, and that's pretty cool, um... Obviously, you know, you, you mentioned the whole uh, concept album and really prior to both of those albums that like that, didn't, that didn't even exist in my world. It was definitely um, Trainwreck and What to Do When You're Dead that kind of put me on into, I think there was like a Nightmare of You album that was also a concept album, but those were like the two that really, I felt like were probably the first straight up concept albums in like the emo post hardcore scene. And obviously there was a couple of bands that, that, you know, kind of followed, followed in this footsteps and, and tried their, their hand at that. But definitely those two are, are the top ones for me. Did you say nightmare of you did one? Yeah. Oh shit. How did I miss that man? Their, ah, oh, their first album. We toured with them, and I, I fell in love with that band. And I was listening them, to them today. I, I put a CD player in my garage today for no reason other than to listen to my gigantic stack of CDs that have been sitting in a box for over 10 years. And one of the first ones I put in was the Nightmare View album. That's awesome. Such a good band. Yeah, they were, they were great. And, man, I'm pretty sure they were the, the, other, like the other one. It, was it, it might have been their self-titled that... That was a uh, quote unquote concept album, but I I'll have to like revisit that. Um, but anyways, we're here to talk about you and Boys Night Out. Um, yeah, I know we had like somebody in our comments saying like, yeah, make sure you ask like some interesting questions, not like the run of the mill uh, like interview questions. Like I want to know what kind of oil they were using on their tour van. So, so I guess secret. we could start with that. I'm totally kidding. Um, yeah, I guess tell us about how the band got started out for, you know, those who are kind of unfamiliar with you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it started without me um, because, uh, you know, it, Jeff and uh, pretty sure Costa was still in the band. 
they, they had a band called Boys Night Out with uh, a singer named Jay. Uh, I was in a band called uh, Gang of Five Robots at the time. Uh, I might have also been in Pettit Projects and The Day Had Died, maybe even Gym Class Joke at that time. I, I was real. I usually had like four or five bands going at any given time at that point in the 90s. Uh, but yeah, so I, I heard them and I loved it. I, th- I thought this band was awesome. Uh, and I knew Jeff. I mean, he... He's a little younger than I am. He went to school with my sister. I knew him through all of all these people. It's crazy, man. Uh, And so we would always play like punk rock shows together and we all knew each other. Um, Anyway, so their singer left the band and uh, we were in a band. Jeff was playing bass in the Pettit Project with me. uh, And we just decided to start playing a couple of those songs. and, you know, we reworked them a bit and used our, our time that we were playing together and recorded uh, Anatomy of the Journey and Sketch Artist with just he and I. So he played bass and guitar and I played drums and sang. And that, that was the beginning of everything. That was before we had a band. And then we just recu- recruited our friends to kind of fill out the rest. So I have a question. Yeah, I like that. I read it up. I read it on Wikipedia, and you always got to fact check Wikipedia. It Why? said that you, <laughs> right. that you, ne- you never, you never know who writes this stuff. But um, I was gonna say, um, it said you guys played like one show like years before, and then you disbanded, and then like you went into separate bands, and then you realized we should probably go back to that. No, that's a lie. I, that, I, the, that that's basically I think what they're getting at is that Boys Night Out was a band. Uh, I wasn't in it. Uh, and when they stopped playing, we just kind of brought it back and with like the skeletons of two of their old songs. Yeah. Damn Wikipedia lies to us all. You're right to fact check them. I never even thought yep. about it. Yep. You see, you're getting the scoops here at the Demo Team Podcast. We want some right. facts. That's real. That is real. So, yeah, I mean, we did that. And then we, you know, from there we got Costa on bass, who's an insane bass player. Uh, Rob, who, you know, uh, Jeff and he had been in bands like the Sandwich Mafia uh, together before, uh, and good old Ben Arsenault uh, on drums. And, you know, the first band I was ever in, which was a band called Treebeard uh, with Ginty from Creepshow, uh, we were all, the guitarist for that band was Adam Arsenault, who is Ben Arsenault's older brother, who's my age. And that's right on good and- old Ben. Like, like you mentioned, you guys uh, are from Canada, and I guess in the whole aspect of, like, the scene there, what was that like? Like, you know, there was, around that time, there was that, like, New York, Long Island, the Jersey scene, Boston had, like, yeah, man. Their, their hardcore scene. So what was the scene in Canada like? Because I think you guys, you know, be, before hearing about you guys, it was obviously, like, the big bands like Simple Plan and mm-hmm. and um, some forty one that that were from Canada, but you guys kind of opened the the floodgates for me and like I found out about bands like I don't know Dagger Mouth and and Gob and oh, uh, yeah. Billy Talent, you know stuff like that. So like being there, what was what was that scene like? Uh, we were spoiled, man. Uh, there was a ton of great music happening here, and and a lot of it. I mean, we had 
amazing hardcore bands uh, that were doing their thing. Bands like, you know, Chokehold and The Swarm and Left 4 Dead. Uh, I mean, Grade, who was, you know, in, in a very similar sort of style to us, like Grade was was one of the bands that kind of laid the groundwork for us uh, to be able to do what we did. You know, I, I was a big fan of Grade and still am. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they did singing and screaming really well, uh, kind of like an upbeat way. Uh, but, I mean, straight up skate punk was really huge, and you had stuff that really pulled a lot from uh, the Midwestern emo scene, like Get Up Kids and all that awesome stuff. Uh, braid and cap and jazz uh so really we had a lot of everything going on i mean tons of shows everybody was really tight the everybody was in a band with somebody else and it usually crossed over but there was a ton going on there in, in the late 90s early 2000s it was it was amazing right on and um i guess for you personally what made you decide to to start singing and what were some of like your early influences oh man i the thing is i had no business singing uh at all I, like uh, the first band i ever sang in um was a skate well i i guess it was kind of a skate punk band call at that time it was called stillbirth and so they got me to be the singer and, and kick, kicked my ass out. Like, I couldn't sing. They're like, no, this is insane that you would think that you should have a microphone. Uh, get out of here. So I, you know, I started playing guitar. And the band changed names to uh, Geriatric Profanity. Uh, and then I got demoted from there to drums. Uh, and, uh, and the band was called Gym Class Joke. Uh, so I didn't really have any aspirations to be a singer. I was like, okay, well, I failed miserably. Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. So the really, I mean, from there, uh, I did start screaming and singing in a band called Two Shades of Pain uh, that changed their name to The Day It Died at some point just because their singer happened to not be able to make it to a practice. And they said, you know, does anybody just want to scream along so it's not so thin in here? Uh, and I started screaming and I loved it uh, and did it very poorly until my throat would bleed and all that shit. Uh, and then, yeah, so, you know, singing in Gang of Five Robots and slowly became more comfortable as, as a singer. <laughs> and, uh, and then a band called Pettit Project, where Scott Comer and I did most of the writing he, he produced uh make yourself sick and 50 million people and you know he always did our demos uh and so i just kept trying my best uh i i have no idea how to sing i sing poorly to the point of blowing out my voice after almost every show um but it but it's fun i like writing vocal lines and i like yelling vocals Right on. All right. So let's get into uh, Make Yourself Sick. So I, I think it was like on a ferret sampler or on um, some like like music channel. Like I saw that video for um, I got punched in the nose. And yeah, like just just from that song, I was completely hooked. And I, I don't know, man, there was just something about that album that really stood out from like all the other, you know, like. I guess 
quote-unquote emo bands that were coming out around that time like you guys just had the perfect blend of like like really fast verses that felt punk rock these catchy hooks and then you guys blended the heavy you know aspect seamless seamlessly like what what was Thanks, writing those songs like it, I mean, it comes from, I guess, what we were all listening to, because we love, we all loved fast music. We loved skate punk and old hardcore uh, and then heavier stuff. I mean, we were all listening, you know, Strife and Earth Crisis and uh, Jesus, Buried Alive, You Converge, you name it. Um, and we, when you're that age, you're just, you, you're playing what you listen to, right? Um, so it just kind of came together and there, nothing was off the table. If somebody would bring an idea, it'd be like, oh yeah, okay, so let's put that in there. Uh, all right, so we're going to add a double time punk part. Yep, that goes there. Let's, uh, let's do it. And really, we just kind of experimented and basically always played what we wanted to hear. And I mean, at that point, uh, we were living, a couple of us were living in a place called Chugalug House. Uh, and uh, really just doing any substance we could find. Uh, so that played heavily into the writing of that. And, and it was really just a, a nonstop party uh, that ended up coming together in an album. Right on. And I guess, like, when I think of um, one of the best examples of, like, the way that you guys kind of, dive in and out during like different tempo changes and different styles is uh the subtleties that make mass murderers out of otherwise he same human beings <laughs> that is yep. a mouthful of a title but it, it's literally my favorite song till this day like the way it just kind of uh you know like picks up in that like pre-chorus and then it goes to the come on let's go that yeah it, it, i just love that song can you I guess what inspired maybe the lyrics or or writing that song, you know, other than, you know, like like you said, you guys were meshing all the different sounds that, that you guys love. Uh, it was I mean, really, especially in that earlier stuff, uh, you know, anything from the four song demo, You Are My Canvas to Broken Bones and Bloody Kisses to Make Yourself Sick. It was really just writing about self-destruction and being furiously angry so i mean it was always murder undertones i was always obsessed with serial killers uh and you know literally and that title sums it up um and just what makes people do what they do what causes somebody to snap and freak out uh and take it to that level and and that kind of just made its way into all the writing i mean all <laughs> when when we wrote that album and were writing that album, you know, I would show people what I had in mind for lyrics and people were just like, are you, are you okay? <laughs> Is everything, are, are we worried? About, we're worried now. We should be worried. Yes, we're worried. <laughs> like, I'm not, man. I'm, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm, I'm hanging out. It's, yeah, it's, it's catharsis. Writing stuff like that just gets all your fucking toxins out. I, I guess that's what it feels like, like catharsis. And, and like you said, there's a lot like that theme of like murder. Like I always thought of it as what if like Edgar Allan Poe had like a screamo band type, type of deal. 
Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Those lyrics just really, like, stuck out to me. Like, it, it was more than just, like, you know, I would say Taking Back Sunday's Tell All Your Friends was, like, one of my other favorite albums that came out around that time. But that was more very on-the-surface lyric-wise. Um, you know, it, it was just, like, I'm sad about this girl dumping me type of thing. But, like, no, nah, your guys' lyrics were very cool. And I, I think I mentioned it in my email to you. Like, your use of, um, like, literary devices, I, like like you said, I think it was on purpose. And, like, I feel like the one that you use a lot is alliteration, where you have, like, you know, multiple lines that start off with the same letter, like, in the first time shouldn't taste like blood or yeah just once let's do something different and you still like like even um in your last ep black dogs i, I noticed that you guys you kind of still keep that going and it it's honestly impressive <laughs> i i mean i was always a better uh writer than i was a singer uh so it's you know writing is kind of my my first love uh, and again, singing only really happened because somebody needed a warm body to fill the slot of singer. So I, I appreciate that. I mean, I've certainly never been compared to Edgar Allan Poe before. <laughs> uh, but, We're all about um, flattery here. <laughs> yeah, you know, now I'll give you whatever you want. You <laughs> pressed all the right buttons. No, it's it's just it's always been just trying to write and, and focus on lyrics because I enjoy writing and instead of making it just about, you know, finding the hook and, and it might've been to boys night out's downfall um, where it wasn't necessarily trying to find the most appropriate or catchy hook to get people singing along in an appropriate manner uh, as much as it was just like, you know, let's see if I can make these words work in a way that has some musical quality to it yeah you're like a lyricist of like a lyricist serial killer and your sharp wit is your dagger yeah i'm a, a lyrical gangster murderer <laughs> he murder here comes bars, the hot bro. stepper here comes the hot stepper <laughs> so, <laughs> so like from recording like make yourself sick from like canvas and uh bloody like what was the uh, broken bones and bloody kisses what was the mm -hmm. difference from being like kind of like independent to going into ferret records like what was like the recording like what differences could you feel there luckily for us there really wasn't a, a lot of difference in i mean the way that it worked for us and you know i've told this story uh before but we got signed and picked up by, by one day savior uh you know, who, which was run by Chris Tompanakis of Sky Came Falling, and Sky Came Falling was on Ferret. Um, he, they heard our songs off mp3.com. So that's all we had. That's, that was how we got our songs out into the world at that point. And so the, the deal was we would release Broken Bones on One Day Savior uh, and then immediately do the next full length with Ferret. Um, and recording Broken Bones was was actually more of like a full-blown recording studio, travel out of town, record it experience than, uh, than Make Yourself Sick was. Uh, not necessarily 
necessarily in terms of like production value, but just in terms of vibe, like we, you know, we drove down, uh, to, to Long Island, uh, to record Broken Bones. Uh, and when we recorded Make Yourself Sick, it was with our best friend and bandmate, Scott Comer. Like I said, you know, Jeff and I were in the Pettit Project with Scott. Uh, he is also an amazing producer and engineer. And, and we recorded at his studio, which was, you know, also happened to be where I lived. And uh, it was it was a very laid back, comfortable situation. And we just which gave us the opportunity to play with things a lot more. Very low stress. That's cool. Yeah, so, tons of fun. Like, um, so I think we should address the elephant in the room before we go further. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Sandler is mm-hmm. ha- has had a uh, keen effect on this band. From you got, I got punched <laughs> in the nose to your yep. name, which is a Billy Madison reference, because you yes, know that is. that penguin man. He was he was getting it, and it's time right. for a boys' night out. <laughs> yeah, man. So, like, it's not just those. There's tons of little Adam Sandler references here and there. So what started that, like, fascination with Adam Sandler's humor? Honestly, I think it was just the age we were at and the movies that were coming out. Like, you know, lyrically, everything, you know, pop culture made its way into Boys Night Out in in massive, massive ways. Um, and those Sandler movies and his old, you know, stand-up comedy tapes and, and shit like that, obviously we loved them. So the Sandler movies, I mean, when in Wedding Singer, when I got punched in the nose for sticking my face in other people's business, it, it was, it was a joke. It was, it was a, okay, well, I'm going to use that as a song title and everybody's going to call me out and will be, uh, be made fun of and that'll be hilarious. Like, let's just get people against us from day one. Um, but but nobody did. And I think we were one of the first bands to actually rip that off, which blew my mind because it's such a perfect and amazing name for a song. It just made so much sense for what we were writing. But yeah, I mean, Sandler, you know, he was he was a hilarious dude. So, it sounds so like a we song. stole from him. <laughs> so do you do you have a favorite um a favorite Sandler movie? Oh man, I don't even know anymore. Uh, I I mean probably at this point Wedding Singer is probably my favorite. I don't know, that movie is fantastic. Classic, start to finish. Yeah. yeah, man. Uh you know, probably back in the day, you know, Billy Madison and uh I was obviously a huge one. But but yeah, through through the years the one that stuck with me was was Wedding Singer. That I mean, soundtrack as, as, oh, too. Oh, get out of here, dude! It's fantastic. That's like solid. Like that dude obviously grew up at the right time during the eighties. He's yeah. like, it definitely captured that vibe. And it like that movie was pretty cool because it even gave like Billy Idol like a second lease on life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> Mr. Billy Idol, just representing all through that. Fantastic, man. Yeah, that that was uh, yeah. Fuck, that was so much fun back then. <laughs> Awesome. Let's, um, let's Moses, reminisce. You, let's reminisce. Moses, yeah, yeah. You got, so, you got... I guess two things. Like, how how do you feel like looking back at "Make Yourself Sick" and and those first EPs? Like, how do you feel like the reception of the band? Like, yeah, what was the reception of that band and that record? And 
uh, like what fond memories do you have from like back then before we get into train wreck? It's, it's all the best, man. Uh, I mean that, and I recently got to go back and, and hear all that stuff with fresh ears because we released Nevermind 2, uh, which had the two demos that Jeff and I recorded, the You Are at My Canvas EP and Broken Bones on vinyl. So, you know, when that was remastered, I got to listen to that. For, and for the first time in a long time, so hearing all that old stuff just brought back a flood of memories, playing local shows and and just hanging out in a very carefree, fun way, playing, you know, on floors, sleeping on floors and our first tours. Um, and then, of course, Make Yourself Sick, you know, we we did some of the most hilarious and ridiculous tours uh, that we had no business being on. You know, we, we toured with bands like Catch-22, um, who were oh, wow. a ska band. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people fucking hated us. They just, rightfully so, it, it was not the right music to, to tour together, but it was such a fun tour. Worthless United was on that tour. Um, and fuck, man. Like, didn't, and the tours were... Didn't you guys yeah. tour with My Chemical Romance around that time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we toured with My Chem, and, and their shows were getting bigger and bigger, uh, and touring with them was a ton of fun. It, it, like, it was, and you were seeing all these bands that we would tour. Senses Fail was a mm-hmm. band that we toured with a ton. Like at that, Early on, like us and Senses Fail were very tightly connected. Um, and, you know, we, we would spend our time with them outside of playing shows like any downtime if we were in jersey uh we were hanging out with them and like uh it, it bands like from autumn to ashes who we did some of the earliest tours with that was the first time we went to the uk was with from autumn to ashes um and yeah and you started to see all these bands really really start coming up and the crowds would get bigger and crazier and this this screamo wave kind of hit um and it was it was fun to to be a part of it all right so now now let's get into train rick what made you guys want to do the concept album and then if you can give kind of like a a brief synopsis of of like the actual concept of the album for those who you know who haven't heard it yeah, I mean, I, I can't exactly remember how and what sparked us saying, well, you know, we have to write a concept album. But when um, we finished Make Yourself Sick and we were touring it, and we started coming up with these ideas. You know, Jeff, uh, Jeff, I mean, is is an incredible writer as well. I mean, you know, uh, lyrics, poetry, uh, any kind of writing, short stories. Uh, and he... Trainwreck kind of spawned from things that he had written. Uh, so from there, we to challenge ourselves, or maybe we were just high. Um, we were just like, well, let's let's make a story out of uh, an album. Let's make it twelve chapters about a dude that uh, freaks out and kills his wife in his sleep. Um, and that's kind of what we did. We we gave ourselves a project and and tried to make it work which you know so ultimately you know um 
it becomes about just that. Like a, a guy murders his wife in his sleep and wakes up to find her dead and is, is horrified uh, at what he's done. And basically he it feels like a monster. How, how could he take this one beautiful thing, the, the only person he ever truly loved, and do this to them? Uh, and to, so, you know, he cuts off his hands so he can never hurt anybody again. I was going to bring that up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, fucking, yeah. Just never wanted to harm another person and spirals out of control with drugs and, and alcohol and through his psychosis starts hearing her voice in his head, just saying the, the, the only way to bring me back is to, is to take the lives of the people, you know, poison them, murder them. And uh, and then we'll finally be reunited in this glorious symphonic sort of way. And yeah, so he just goes absolutely fucking crazy, uh, kills a bunch of people in order to to try and bring back the the woman that he murdered. And he's serving up pork and strychnine and paint thinner with the wine. That's right, man. So I have a question. Like you say, like, you know, you're a big fan of like serial killers, true crime type stuff for this album. Did you like have any like specific like type of incidents, murders or accounts that like you were following that kind of like breathed life into your story? Uh, I mean, there had been stories about um, I mean, sleep paralysis always fascinated me. Uh, and I mean, you'll, you know, you hear a lot about sleep paralysis when, when people are convinced that they've seen an angel or they've seen an alien. It, it, you know, a lot of times clinically it can be traced back to this, this thing known as sleep paralysis where you're, you're awake, but you're still asleep and you're still partially dreaming, but everything feels extremely real. Uh, and, and it has been documented that people or at least have claimed to in their defense have been asleep when they've, you know, gone through with these completely heinous acts of violence. Um, and, and that was always fascinating. I mean, I, I, I dealt with sleep paralysis specifically. There would always be this fucking screaming red face embedded into my ceiling when I would wake up just terrifying the hell out of me and I couldn't move. Uh, but at no point was I like, hi, real thing that exists. Who do you want me to kill? Uh, but you know, so, you know, I, I dealt with this like powerlessness, uh, through sleep and sleep paralysis, and then just kind of was able to, to bring it into what we were creating, but I've never killed anybody. (laughs) That's awesome. So for, um, this record, you guys added on an extra member. I think her name was, uh, Kara. Kara. Yeah. And she played keys and, and, uh, you know, she, yeah, she's saying uh, last the voice of the hospital wife. or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, insane singer. Kara is an insane great singer, voice. Man. So, how, how did that come about? What made you guys uh, bring her on for this album? Well, Kara came on because uh, she had recorded with Brian Southall, who uh, was playing drums for us at that time. Ben had left the band. Um, you know, after we had been touring Make Yourself Sick and Brian, uh, who was the guitar player for, for Dire Lifesake, who if you've never listened to, you should, because For Dire Lifesake is a fucking incredible band. Um, yeah, they they but, were a great band. He was also in the receiving end of Sirens, which was an amazing yep. band. I was in Glaciers. Yep. That guy yeah. had quite the resume. Yeah, man. It's so we we met Kara through Brian. 
Uh, and luckily for us, she was down, uh, however short lived the experience was to like go and tour, uh, with a bunch of dudes, uh, and, and do that tour life, which is, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, and we were really fortunate that, that she was willing to do that and that we were able to play those songs as, as they were recorded. Uh, with her being a part of it and playing the live keyboard and adding her amazing vocals and shit like that. And like, it was, it was really a, a fucking crazy time. Yeah. And uh, speaking of, of tours, I got to ask, which was the better tour? Was it the Nintendo Fusion tour with the uh, <laughs> Fallout Boy and Motion City soundtrack? Or was it the Armor for Sleep Chiodos tour? Oh man, those were both very, very different tours. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but uh, the the best part of both tours was that we traveled with our friends. We, no matter what vehicle we were in, we would always bring you know our friends Cody or Gordy or Dave Arnold uh, with us and. And it was a nonstop party. I mean, that Chiodos Armor for Sleep tour was was remarkable um, because, my God, I mean, it was these bands that were just having an amazing time playing together and hanging out. Uh, and, and we were very lucky that a lot, most of the tours we did, is like, we got along extremely well with the bands. Um and same with the the fusion tour, which is one of the most insane experiences of my life. And that was when Fallout Boy really started blowing up. Yeah, um, and, and Panic at the Disco. I was I was at the San Francisco date for that tour. Man, till this day, dude, it's one of the best concerts that I, that I've ever attended. Dude, they opened that tour. That is insane to ev- to think that ever. Uh, Panic at the Disco would play before Boys Night Out in a tour situation is fucking ludicrous. And they were a younger band. The shows got bigger and bigger. And by the end of it, we were playing arenas and shit. It was remarkable, man. Absolutely insane. Pretty crazy that that Panic was opening. And like I mentioned, it was... You know their their first album, so of course they're opening. But it was a hell of an album for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So how how was that tour? Uh, insane. I mean, the a lot of remarkable partying and insanity. Uh, and and like I said, yeah, the shows just kept getting bigger and bigger because of all you know, especially Panic and Fallout Boy. Uh, but I mean, starting line in Motion City, fucking insane. But by the end, we were playing arenas, which is not something we had ever experienced. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I guess like how was like how did you feel the the reception of Train? What well, yeah for Trainwreck was like I, I think I remember it you know, getting like some pretty good reviews and uh, like people being very impressed with like, oh shit, like, like this is an actual great concept album. It, it it was the weirdest thing because that, that was an album that at least when it was released uh, got more love from like press really liked it. But I, but we dealt with a lot of backlash of uh you know boys head out is sold out 
they don't scream anymore. You know, they just they're they're trying to become a huge band. Uh, so it was it was pretty cold uh, from a lot of the people that like to make yourself sick. Uh, but you know, slowly I think people started warming up to it. I suppose. Uh, but yeah, at the time, people were pretty vocal about not liking the direction we were headed. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird to bring it up as like they sold out when you have a song like Purging on there. That <laughs> Yeah, sure, there's no screaming, but it's like a heavy song. And, yeah, I get yeah. And like, like, even when you get like later into the record, you know, songs like Composing and uh, Disintegrating, like though, like to me... Those feel like excellent follow up, follow up to like the the make yourself sick sound. Yeah, I, it it makes sense to us. I mean, I don't, I, I I don't, I'm not sure if you guys got like that brought to you that you were selling out or anything. Do you guys feel like people were like they didn't quite get it because you were getting a little more like progressive and like experimenting with your like talent? I I think it was it was more just. You know, because of what was exploding at that time, and I certainly fault nobody for this, is that, you know, heavy, scream-focused, um, well, screamo, uh, you know, screaming was, was a big focus of it. And as we sort of got away from that, simply because uh, I was blowing my voice out by doing both, so I decided, you know, I'd, I'll, I'd rather keep the singing than the screaming. Uh, uh it, I think people just did, weren't into it. It wasn't heavy enough. It wasn't giving them, you know, something to to throw down to in the same vibe as, say, even Make Yourself Sick, which wasn't a heavy album, but, you know, had a lot more screaming. So I think, I think it was more just, you know, people wanting to hear the same thing, which is fine. I get that. When I'm into a band and they switch gears, uh, it can be jarring. But to us, it made perfect sense. It was the songs were written, you know, immediately following, and it was always the stuff we wanted to play, so we, we were always just happy to be writing. And I think that showed, because that album just, I feel like the substance and, like, our artistic integrity on Trainwreck is, like, immense. Like, that is, like, a piece of art. Like, that should be in a, that should <laughs> be in a museum. <laughs> it's, it's, in, it's on my wall. Does that count? The like, I, I love I, lo I love both records and um you know make like make yourself sick was like my favorite my favorite of the two but to kind of um like you know it was a little more I guess straight up you know screamo I guess you could say uh, like not one dimensional in the sense that 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 train wreck really um you know, tried different sounds and, you know, you had like, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, like really kind of weird sounding, uh, like synth, like in dreaming and waking and you guys just tried a, a lot of different things, which I thought really stood out for, for that record, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was all about just enjoying it. Plus the fact that machine produced it. I mean, he, Machine produced that right after he produced What to Do When You're Dead. Um, it He was not afraid to experiment. So we, you know, we had these demos uh, for Trainwreck uh, that were really all over the place in, in their tempos and everything like that. 
and and he helped us a lot in kind of making it a lot more cohesive. Weirdly enough, we are we have rediscovered those demos and we might end up releasing them. But uh, like it's it's been fun to hear those songs the way the way they were initially written by us without any other input. Nice. Dude, yeah, I would I would definitely love love to hear that. Um, you got them. So so how. How was it working with a machine? Can you go in like a little more in depth? And for people that that don't know, like like you said, he did that "What to Do When You're Dead" album. Um, he did he did uh the record for Armor for Sleep after that "Smile" for them. He's done so much mm-hmm. Gym Class Heroes, Eighteen Visions. Uh, oh man, every time I die. Yeah, every time I die. Like you know, what, was he like really hands on? Yeah. Yeah, it was like one of the most enjoyable, uh, like producer experiences we could have asked for. I, I mean, he uh, he had this way of really, you know, you, you genuinely felt that he cared outside of just being like, well, I've been paid to produce this record, so I'm going to produce this record. But like, he was very, very hands on and very not shy about, you know, inserting himself in, into it and giving his opinions and giving his thoughts on like what could happen. And ultimately his opinions and, and thoughts on things were ours to accept or reject. Um, but he, he got it. Like he immediately was just the perfect guy to do it because when we were trying to describe how we wanted things to go, he was, he was already there. It's like, Oh yeah, that's yeah that's exactly what we're going to do. That's how we're going to do this, this, and this. And it was, yeah, it was seamless making that record. I mean, he worked his ass off on it, but it, it made it, uh, fuck that, that experience was incredible working with machine, man. Yeah. I feel like, um, like train wreck was probably like your album, that I probably like listened to the most. And like, I discovered y'all all through my, uh, best friend. His name's uh, Michael. Uh, he discovered y'all on that Chiodos and uh, Armor for Sleep tour, and he yeah. like brought home, he brought home all the CDs. We had like a make yourself <laughs> sick CD and shit. We had Chiodos and Armor for Sleep, and we listened to the hell out of those. We like I remember we moved into our uh, first apartment in like 2009, and we just like all that stuff constantly like on repeat. We got Trainwreck, and it's just like I just I want to thank you personally for like making music, dude, because like you connect me to a lot of great memories in my life, oh, and I'm like man. very appreciative of that. Oh Jesus, yeah, I, uh, the pleasure is mine. <laughs> I mean, thank thank you. We, you can't be a band and tour if nobody is fucking listening to it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, so one hundred percent. Hell yeah, dude! It's the craziest thing because I, I've been a lot more active on social media uh and and people will thank me for responding to them i'm just like well yeah man that's i couldn't have made music if it was just me and a couple friends in a basement and nobody wanted to hear this shit like thank thank you (laughs) fuck (laughs) thank you dude it's I I that's my go to response. I think we even joked about that when we were like texting and shit like that. Like I, yeah. I it's it's true though. It's such a give and take thing, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's really important to me that you know people have their their opinions whether I agree with them or not. Like 
heard and for me to say like, hey, yo, thanks for messaging us. Thanks for taking time out of your fucking day years after we broke up um, to fucking reach out to us. That's awesome. Yeah, I like I me and Moses like we've we've touted we've blown the horn of uh, Boys Night Out on this podcast many a time and <laughs> we we hope people like listen to us in those past episodes like there's no doubt that this episode's going to get listened to and we're like really excited for this to happen. Yeah, um, yeah but, which is I was going to say yeah. it's kind of weird cuz I never like even thought of like I don't know personally like reaching out to you and like like telling you like dude this album make yourself sick like i still listen to it like literally on a weekly basis like it's my like top three favorite records of all time my most prized possession on vinyl but thank you (laughs) oh man no thanks man that's fucking it's it's wild i don't know i i guess some bands go into it thinking you know like yeah yeah man we're gonna be fucking huge but we you know and we granted we were not a huge band um but we were always lucky enough to have like really really fucking people had our backs for the most part like you know i've you know i've talked about a bunch of times but like the amount of boys night out tattoos uh that's not something that i was ever prepared for I never would have thought to have seen people get Boys Night Out tattoos or lyrics or fucking anything like that tattooed on them. And people still send them to me to this day, fresh fucking Boys Night Out tattoos. And so it's a really humbling thing. Those tattooed lines are there to prove they exist, man. Oh, man, it's crazy. But, like, speaking of, like, social media, like, you guys grew up, like, when, like, like, I mean, I'm sure you guys were a band when Friendster was around, but I mean, from MySpace, the glorious times of MySpace to like now, what do you like notice the huge differences in social media? Uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's just completely different. It's so easy to, to have yourself be heard to a very specific group of people. Um, I mean, you know, and especially with tagging. Like, that wasn't even really something that existed back in the day of MySpace and all that shit, where it's like, you can just tag anybody and be like, hey, yo, listen to this. Um, so I think it's it's made, I mean, this is not a groundbreaking fucking statement, but it's made the world a lot smaller, and it's made it easier to be heard. I mean, when we started um, trying to have people listen to our music, we were literally mailing out uh, demos, demo CDs. Um to record labels, to other bands being like, hey, if you ever think of maybe giving this a listen, maybe. But now it's all, it's, it's all, it's so accessible for good or for ill. And even when downloading uh, songs became a big thing, we always were really vocal about uh, supporting that. We didn't give a fuck if you were downloading it for free off LimeWire uh, or SoulSeek or whatever the fuck uh, people were using. But as long as if people were coming to the shows, like that's, that was what we wanted. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. Even if they downloaded the album, you know, that there's a good chance that they would go to the show, buy some merch, you know, and just fucking sing along. Like Jesus, man, we would, you know, going to a town where you're not from, you don't know fucking anybody. And and there's people singing along or clapping or yelling to to your shit like that is a fucking incredible feeling. It's it's 
I, I very, very much miss that. Do you have any, um, I guess, interesting uh, stories or memories to share about maybe like a, a fan interaction or, or a crazy night out on tour where, I don't know, something like unexpected happened? <laughs> uh, I mean, a, a bunch of us got uh, arrested in Delaware um, for for smoking weed on a beach. A couple of the guys spent the night in jail. Uh, there was a time where we were escorted out of St. Paul, Minnesota by the cops, uh, and told that we were not welcome in that town. Uh, there was a time, my, one of my favorite and most horrifying fucking experiences to this day happened on the El Paso border. And for the life of me, I cannot remember what tour this happened on, but I mean, we were stopped uh in el paso texas uh and told to you know these cars pull us over lights going get the fuck out of the car they made us all you know get out you know six feet apart uh on our knees with our hands behind our backs you know guns on us uh searching for drugs uh and just like screaming at us and and just we're like oh fucking we're you know we're facing fucking mexico our backs are facing you know texas uh and and we're just like what the fuck is happening they're just screaming at us and the dogs are going crazy looking for weed like just we know there's drugs in this band we know what you fucking people do all right well have adam and just it was it was fucking crazy for some some dudes from canada who had just never experienced that um but like those are the stories that that like I still think about, and we fucking laugh about it now. Being like, God, Jesus fucking Christ, how is that a thing? That you know we could have all just gone to jail. They didn't find any drugs in the van because um, we're not idiots. But uh, like, uh, but we did get caught smoking. Like I said, a couple guys were put in jail overnight in other cities, so we are idiots. Um, but. Yeah, that that's the shit. I mean, partying with the friends and everything and throwing TVs out of windows and all the fucking wild shit uh, is hilarious. But it's it's the fear-based stories uh, that, that really stick with you. Yeah, that, like, crossing uh, in into Texas, like, from California, because that's where, where I'm from. Well, I live in Texas now, but... Um, yeah, like driving into El Paso is like always weird. Like, like you know, they like they like stop you, and I don't know. Like, it, it just always seems kind of sketchy. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fucking insane. The the shit that you know, and that's that's tour life, man. Like you're you're on the road. Really, anything can happen, um, and it usually does. Whether it's fucking your van exploding or your tire blowing or cops pulling you over uh that that's all just part of it that and that was part of what made it so <laughs> exciting and then a fucking hell of a way to live um ryan do you have any more uh i guess questions it like related to like train wreck or like this era of the band hmm i mean while we're here um what <laughs> what gave you guys the idea of making it sound like a uh, homeboy was do like the doctor was doing like 
uh, tape recording stuff. Like, cause I just think like, it's just like a subtle touch, but just the fact that it sounds like it's coming from a tape recorder, it's kind of like his logs and stuff. I feel like yeah. it really like ties the album together from like introducing to, uh, the oh, end. Yeah. yeah, dying. Um, I, was, I was like, he says the end in there. Dying. Yeah. <laughs> Just that like, was, was that bow? What made you guys think that like this needs a bow, and we're gonna put that, the bow on? That was less of a bow and more of a a thing that was there right from the beginning. Uh, to to kind of break it in with uh, the fact that the doctor is is communicating so much of the story, even even in the demos. Uh, introducing starts the exact same way with with the tape click uh and but it's it's our friend adam mansbridge uh doing the voice of the doctor uh if you look in the liner notes of make yourself sick it says this album is for adam mansbridge and gordy ball uh or still two of our best friends to this day um yeah adam was the voice of the doctor and it, it was it was just one of those things it was when we thought of this fucking human being this doctor tasked with this patient in this case like we, we pictured this fucking guy you know hunched over his desk hitting record to try and get his thoughts uh cohesive with like a glass of scotch maybe next to him he's just like what the fuck is happening okay record this what the fuck is happening um and yeah it was it, that that's awesome that you picked up on that but that was that was always there from the beginning less less of a bow more of a foundation nice that's sick. So, like, with Trainwreck, um, you guys had, like, a stage production built and, like, made for it that actually, like, got to air and people, like, yeah, man. got to see it on stage and shit. Um, can you guys give us some details on that? You don't have to go completely into it, but, like, give people who may not have heard about it. or Yeah. Um, yeah, Rosie and Billy uh, from Patchwork Theater, uh, they they approached me. Uh, and... And, you know, I, I had always received emails from people that were like, hey, would you read this screenplay or, hey, I want to do this. And I would always just say, yes, go do it. Absolutely. This is fucking insane that you want to do this. You you have our blessing. Um, if you make a billion dollars, please give us a small percentage of that. And uh, but, you know, it was it was really just they approached and I didn't think anything would come of it because it rarely did. Um, you know, there were a few people that managed to make short films about train wreck and they were super, you still find them on YouTube. Um, and, but they took it to this level with this stage production and Billy who, who trans, uh, transposed the score, uh, was asking me for help in like, cause he remade all the music. Uh, and he's like, yo, how do you play this part? I, I don't fucking know, man. I, I can't play guitar like that. And you, you know, Jeff was ex extremely busy, uh, and didn't have a lot of time on his hands to jump in. And Billy did a crazy job and they put together this cohesive and awesome stage performance that I got to go see, um, in Niagara Falls, New York. Uh, and, and they fucking did it, man. It was a beautiful thing to, to actually fucking crazy. Yeah, so I, I've always had a lot of love and respect for, you know, Rosie and Billy uh, after everything they did for that. It was fucking amazing. I hope they bring it back. There's sometimes talk about them doing that. I mean, I would totally like at least like a recording for like a DVD or something. I like, think like. Just for us at home, anybody like a street 
I, I think if somebody made like animated videos like that go along with the album, that'd be sick. <laughs> a train wreck anime would be fucking dope. Somebody get on that. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> go right ahead. You have my blessing. Please, again, if you make a ton of money, I could really use something to eat. That would be cool. <laughs> so for for all the like. I guess younger listeners, we we've kind of dated ourselves talking about uh, MP3.com, MySpace, uh, you know, you name it, Pure Volume, Soul Seek. Yeah, um, another thing is band DVDs, and you yep. guys probably had one of the funniest ones, which was, uh, <laughs> dude, you need to stop dancing. Like, you know, back then, band DVDs were. You know they were pretty popular. Uh, like every time I die, had a had a tour based one. So did Armor for Sleep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that that was more just kind of like a what I guess for all the younger people, it was like a tour vlog, if you yeah. will. Yeah. And yeah. Um, even even like Drive Through Records kind of did stuff like that. But but you guys did kind of like a straight up mockumentary, and it also had your guys uh, like music videos and and a live show what what made you guys uh think of that honestly we are we were always lucky in that our friends are just insanely creative people so i mean maddie unsworth and simon uh broom like he we all just hung out together uh and we thought you know in the vein of fucking spinal tap or whatever what if we make a a DVD, why don't we record us playing shows, telling people that we're breaking up? And, you know, we always, and I, I say this a lot, like self-sabotage was not off the table for Boys Night Out. Um, so we're like, what would happen if we started playing shows and telling people at these shows that these were our last shows? And then we use that, and then we make a DVD about us breaking up. Uh and putting it out, that would surely kill our musical careers. And uh, and it basically did. Uh, but, uh, yeah, even when we gave it to uh, to the Ferret Gang, they, they were like, what? what? You want to put out a DVD about you guys breaking up and then expect people to buy tickets to your shows in advance? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what we would like to do. At this juncture, yeah, I've been like, well, it's they thought it was funny, but they were hesitant. But I, I don't know, I, it, it's it's kind of cringy for me to watch at this point because <laughs> an an actor I am not. Um, but it's it it was so much fucking fun, man. Uh, and that's all that matters the, is is that you know you're having fun. I still own that on DVD, by the way. I, I think uh, I wild. showed you guys a, a picture of my DVD collection. Yeah, man, it's so <laughs> nuts. I can't, and it's still funny to me that that's out in the world somewhere, and like just this <laughs> that era of us being like, yep, yeah, this is what's happening now. So let's just do that then. Okay, on to the next. Good. I think I think one of my favorite quotes from that little mockumentary part. Is I think you push some. I think you push uh, the basis and uh, Brian's just like, "Hey man, hands off my rhythm section." <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> oh fuck, I remember that. Well, oh god, we laughed. I think you, you might even be able to hear Brian or somebody laughing 
when he said, because there was no script, certainly, for that. Uh, it was, like, very rough plot points. And then we're like, all right, well, so we'll just improvise everything. Yeah, yeah, let's just improvise everything. Um, and that's just how that came out. And, man, that it was uh, insane. So much fun. Gold captured on film, dude. It's good stuff. I love, it. Dude, I love that. And we we did an in- interview with MTV Canada shortly after that came out. Uh, and the interviewer was like, so you, you guys lost your bass player? He died during the filming of this? Meanwhile, Costa's sitting right fucking next to her. Jeez. Uh, no, he's, he's good. He's that one. There. Hi. That so, was a joke. <laughs> he's fine. He got better. Yeah, I yeah, guess. Um, did you guys ever play like what was was it? Much music was like the TV show in Canada, or that like, was yeah the Canadian MTV. Yeah, did you guys yeah, ever? We, we we did a lot of like interviews and stuff with them, but like we were never like an in-house uh, thing. We were we never quite had the clout for that. I mean, bands like, uh, you know, our friends' bands, like Alexis on Fire, like, they fucking insane hardworking band. Uh, fucking, you know, they they got a lot of the attention they fucking deserved. Like, they were, so they were doing a lot of televised appearances and things like that. And, like, bands like that worked their asses off. We were more a bunch of fucking goofs um, that really just liked hanging out together and writing songs that we thought sounded good. That's what yeah. you guys did. <laughs> it was the yeah, fun it was, of it. Hey, man. <laughs> All right, so you guys uh, released um, your, your self-titled in 2007, I believe. Yeah, man. Yep. And, dude, I'm, like, I really love that record. I, to me, it felt like you guys, you know, haven't skipped the beat. Um, it starts off with a, what was it, Get Your Head Straight? Get Your Head like, Straight, oh, yeah. dude, that... Like those verses on that song, like it just it just hits, man. Um, Thank what you. Was, oh, and then you, you guys ended up throwing "Hey Thanks" um in there, and yeah. that, that was like on the the earlier EP. So yeah, I guess uh, tell us a little about recording recording that album. Yeah, it was it was refreshing. It was a breath of fresh air, you know, after Trainwreck, which was a very heavy thing to organize and like like you know pieces had to fit together. Um, and then releasing self-titled, uh, which was us going back to just writing songs, you know, separate autonomous songs that, you know, it's not a cohesive story front to back. It was, it was really a breath of fresh air. Um, so we, we wrote, you know, a lot of more, a lot more like pop punk feeling indie ish, post hardcore, whatever you want to call it music. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, to us, again, it made perfect sense. Sonically, like you said, uh, it, it was the songs that were written next by by the same people. And, and again, as always happened to us with, with every album that we wrote, it was like, okay, well, you guys are selling out now. And, and like, oh, man, I don't know if you've seen our record sales, but they just get lower and lower with, <laughs> with each album. We're, we're not selling out here. We're just having a good time. Um so that that album definitely when it was released was not met 
with a lot of acceptance, uh, a lot of big disapproval from a lot of people. But that I love that record. Uh, and playing those songs live was, was always a ton of fun. Uh, but I think because of how poor the record sales were um, is, is a big part of why, you know, ultimately the band ended up breaking up shortly thereafter. We just really couldn't afford to be on the road all the time anymore. We had to get jobs and, and do stuff. But I, but writing and recording that album was a ton of fun, man. Again, just a fucking blast uh, to just do it. Yeah, I mean, even you know, a song like "Up with Me," like I feel like mm-hmm. you could easily transition from like listening to "Make Yourself Sick" to "Trainwreck" and be like, "Oh, dude, this is you know the same band, and and they're like they still got it." But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess you know, like. I guess, I, man, I don't know. I, I mean, it could have been like maybe the timing and where most bands were headed. Like maybe you know, like it's really hard to, I guess, capture what's going on in the scene or you know what what's gonna what's gonna yeah. catch on. You know. Yeah, but again, you know, some of the blame has to to go to us directly. I mean, we uh, we were again self saboteurs. Like we. We're very much just having an amazing time and not maybe being as professional as we could be and, and playing the game uh, in in the smartest way uh, for longevity. But, I mean, we we experienced exactly what we, we tried to experience, you know what I mean? Um, and it was, yeah, fuck, it was just always about enjoying it. It was so much fun and yeah it made perfect sense to, to us to write that record and in the same way that you know black dogs makes perfect sense to have come after that uh but yeah fuck it that's yeah i i can't i really hope that record comes out on vinyl yeah um the the self-titled one yeah uh, dude i would love to own that on vinyl so yeah let's make it happen <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Warner won't even return my emails. I've, I've reached out. I'm like, hey, this is super unprofessional because this is how I do things. Uh, but can, can, can I have a number? How much would it be for just, you know, to buy our catalog? I just want to own the music that I was a part of writing. Just entertain me. As insane as this number might be, like, what would it cost? Just no, no response. So you so you guys released that on on Warner and like you no were, no that that was Ferret that but you know Warner ended up um, buying Ferret yeah yeah so okay. you know they own the catalog and and Ferret certainly got sometimes I I tell these things like I I got nothing but love for Ferret Good Fight you know who is what Ferret became released Black Dogs like we still love working with them. Um, but you know, Warner is a larger label and, and, uh, a corporation, uh, and they're, they're protecting their assets. They're not just giving shit away. And that is part of their catalog now. And like, like they don't even entertain like the idea of like buying it. Like you can't get your own masters back. Not, not to me. They won't return my emails. That's crazy. Like, Hmm. it seems like something you should get like a lawyer or something for but like if it was like an extraordinary amount of money like i would start the kickstarter myself dude to get you your your music back like <laughs> yeah I, and i mean it's it's come up but i mean lawyers and shit like that like i am not a wealthy man i don't have any money um so it's it's just it's not 
the music exists, it's out there. And then you got labels like uh, Take This to Heart and Parting Gift who repressed Trainwreck. You know, they, they're awesome. They took a gamble, paid the, the licensing fees and got this record back out. Um, so there are labels that are willing to pay the licensing fees and take a chance. And, and I really hope to see it happen with self-titled. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I, I guess, yeah, tell us a little about uh, Black Dogs, because that came out, what? Uh, 16. Like, yeah, yeah, so that's like nine years after yeah. after the self-titled. What made you yeah. guys want to, you know, get back together and, and make some new songs? It was, uh, I mean, you know, I, I love hearing rumors about why the band broke up and everything and how much we hated each other, but we were all still very much great friends after the band broke up. Um, you know, Jeff and I had worked on uh, a band called Hard Calibers uh, between the self-titled and Black Dogs. Uh, I, I only wrote one of the songs, but those songs are, you know, Jeff on most of the instrumentation. Scott Comer plays bass. Uh, and Jeff sings almost every song. I, I, I just happen to write one and sing one. But if you hear those songs, you can very much hear what ties self-titled to Black Dog. So Jeff had still been writing songs, and he had sent me some stuff throughout the years saying, like, well, do, let's do some more Hard Caliber stuff. Um, and so we decided to take some of those songs and and try and write them with the band and Weirdly enough, the people that we chose to write with were the members of Boys Night Out because we always love writing songs together. So when when we did it, it was not under the guise that this was a Boys Night Out record. But I mean, it, it became uh, immediately apparent that these were Boys Night Out songs uh, when we were writing them. So we, we took a chance and we're like, OK, well, let's release these uh, under the name Boys Night Out. Uh, <laughs> And it was tough to do because, again, as, as a record label, getting somebody to back something like that, and we're like, uh, we're not going to tour because we can't afford to be on the road. We have to, you know, support our families. You know, we have kids at this point uh, and, and jobs that we can't just leave. Uh, and, uh, and, and luckily, Good Fight took a chance on it, and they, they put out that record. But, yeah, again, as, as you had said, I, I can hear the progression it sounds like a boys night out album and i fucking love that album and working with Derek hoffman to produce it fucking killer yeah man and like especially like i feel like lyrically it's definitely like still like boys night out for sure yeah um, I, I i still put a lot of self-loathing into my music <laughs> songs like uh what was it uh dead dead man songs and less phenomenon yeah. for sure yeah yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, I, I, and I never stopped loving writing, and you know, there's always going to be that, you know, the influence of drug use or drug stopping use or you know, just fucking being a fucking hard on yourself, whatever. It all it'll always run through everything I write. So, same with Pale Drone. Like the songs I write for Pale Drone are very dark songs. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into Pale Drone uh, before we do. So you guys are, um, the pre-orders are up for Nevermind 2, which is a compilation of the first uh, three EPs, and yeah, and uh, yeah, so what what made you guys want to do that, and um, also, is there going to be, you know, new Boys Night Out music, and you know, in the future? 
Well, I mean, with, never with say Nevermind, never. well, we'll see. Uh, no, nah, I mean, Nevermind 2 was uh, our, our friend Justin, uh, who runs Forge Again Records. He had pressed Broken Bones on vinyl a couple times. Um, and it's, you know, we own Broken Bones. Like, that's that's ours to do with what we want. So he had kind of said, like, hey, do you think people would have any interest in this? Um, and I was like, maybe. Uh, it's, I, I don't know if people would buy that record, but, like, we have, you know, You Are My Canvas and these other two old demo songs. Like, we could put them all together uh, and release it as an older you know, throwback thing with the stuff that we actually own and don't have to license. Um, and it just kind of came together. Justin is a super rad dude. Uh, and having him, you know, release it and do the legwork, like that guy works his ass off. And to, for him to, you know, make that record happen and put it together and have it released, like it, it fucking fantastic. That was so much fun too. It's it's a fucking beautiful record too. The the layout, fucking insane. Like it's the I love that album. So but, out of all those uh like older songs, do you have one that I guess kind of has like a special place in your heart over the others? Like maybe a favorite? Like like I said, I, I mentioned I love Hey Thanks and. Uh, sketch artist composite was probably another one for me that you know that i i listen to a lot yeah uh sketch artist has always had a, a special place in my heart uh, because that was one of the first ones that we did uh when it was just jeff and i you know like i said sketch artist and anatomy of the journey were the two songs and and the uh so that that that's just got one of those special places but honestly like lyrically uh I, I've always really liked, I was always patted myself on the back. I was always really happy with a lot of the lyrics on the self-titled uh, album, like Hey Thanks and um, Reason Ain't Our Long Suit, um, shit like that. Like, I, you know, I, I was really proud of those lyrics. Uh, I was like, fuck, okay, yeah, I can, I, I still enjoy writing. This is a good thing. Um, but, I mean... You know, Sketch Artist just happens to be one of those songs. Like, when I think of Boys Night Out, the first song that pops into my head is Sketch Artist. Always. I think when I think of Boys Night Out, the first thing that, that comes to mind is uh, the chorus for it's Dylan, you know the drill, the we walk a nightmare line wide awake. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, the way that you guys kind of, like, shout that is so good. <laughs> That fuck, that's a that's a fun song too, and I forget about a lot of the songs too. Like, Jesus, uh, it's it's crazy after some you know the amount of time and the lack of playing them live. Um, it's it's fun to go back and hear them every now and again. It's it's fucking crazy. But you know, you would ask, uh, will there be more Boys Night Out? Likely not. Um, I mean, it 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 comes out. We we still talk. All the time. I saw everybody, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, but we're finding time to get everybody together and, and write music. Uh, it's 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 not the easiest thing to do. There are no plans to write any new music at this time at all. Zero. Depression. Well, you know, at least we have, like, these albums that we can reflect on and, like, look well, back on fondly, like, to me, like you're you're one of those bands that, like, 
you know, you, you either get, like, have, like, this steady career of, like, putting out good stuff, but most of the time, you know, I feel like a lot of bands just kind of, I don't know if it's whether lose their touch or they're trying too hard to uh, try and, and do something new and it quite doesn't catch, but like, like I said, I can look at your full discography and be like, man, these guys, like, no matter, you know, what their, like, reception was, I really felt like you guys, you know, didn't, like, didn't lose that, that step, you know, you guys were a solid band through and through. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, it was, I fucking, I loved it. I loved being in that band. Absolutely adored it. I forgot to bring, to bring up uh, one song off of uh, Make Yourself Sick that, that really stuck out because uh-huh. it, it, like, it was like so trippy sounding, uh, hold on tightly, let go lightly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what yeah. can you tell us about that? Like what made you guys want to do something a little different on, on that song? It was, uh, I was fucking around with writing weird electronic stuff for fun on the computer. And Jeff had an acoustic song, uh, and I was like, "Well, here, let me let me fuck with it. Like, let play play the acoustic part. I'm gonna put it into my shitty, clunky Windows 98 PC and and try and add electronic drums to it. Uh, and uh, it, yeah, it. Uh, I'm still surprised that that made it onto the album, uh, but it was." it was just something that we did. I mean, it just, it made sense to us. We're like, okay, well, this is a song that we wrote. So on the album, it goes. Um, and we started doing that song live again too, like in playing like a heavier version of it, which was always a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, that very, very weird, odd song. Very weird. Uh, dude, I love it. Especially like, like even like the lyrics like you know when you're left with only a bullet i'll bring the trigger and i promise to pull it and just like the story that you're telling i'm like holy shit like it, it's pretty uh like pretty intense and like i feel like <laughs> anybody who's like listening to that album like that that's like an easy song to kind of like zero in on and and really get like like i guess take in the lyrics and and like the story of the song oh thank you i appreciate that man yeah i don't hear a lot of people talk about that song i always assumed it was one of those like skippers for for people that just like, ah, i'll just go past this one uh, to me it was cool <laughs> and like it, i i feel like it almost became a trend like a lot of bands fought like you know and I, i'm not saying like oh they ripped off poison out but like having kind of like a electronic-y almost like interlude song or yeah. or the the one-off song that's like that you know like bands like from first to last did it and yeah you, like you know the list goes on so i i always thought that was kind of interesting oh, hey, no fuck thanks yeah that song is that definitely stands on its own for sure i'm pretty sure i've heard you guys use like kind of like that like auto-tune type tone like the robotic oh, love it voice. Yeah. I've I've heard you guys do that before. Like it became like a trend like five, six years later. Like you guys were like way ahead of the curve. And I think that's like phenomenal. I, I used it for two reasons. When we when we first started, uh it was on absolutely every song dialed right the fuck up. Uh and that was part because I have terrible pitch and part because I because it was 
the idea was to write from the point of view of a serial killer in a lot of the songs, like giving it this robotic, inhuman touch was the whole idea. Um, and it was just happened to be something that Scott, you know, who recorded all that stuff, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, well, let's let's use this and make it sound a bit like a robot. And ranked it and it was fun, fun. Just it made sense at the time. Uh, For sure, that, yeah. that kind of that's a I don't know. Do you have any more uh, boys' night out related questions, or can we get into pale drone, Ryan? I think we better get into pale drone, bro. We gotta get people on that pale drone on that pale drone shit. It's pretty pretty heavy stuff. So yeah, tell tell us about that and like, a, is there gonna be more uh, pale drone music in oh, the yeah. future? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, pale drone is. Um, you know, three fifths of that band uh, is were members of uh, bands like New Day Rising, um, and uh, fucking it's it, it's fucking crazy. It's, look, these heavy bands, these hardcore bands from Southern Ontario, spread the disease. Is another band that a bunch of them were part of. Um, you know, these heavy bands that were out of it, bands that I played with and I always really fucking loved. Uh, and Trevor, uh, they, they had been jamming and hit me up. He's like, Hey, do you want to scream in a band? Uh, and right away I, I was like, fuck no, man, I can't do that shit. Um, I, I had no idea if I could even pull it off, but I went to a couple practices, um, and tried <laughs> and, and it worked out and it's playing heavy music again is, is a lot of fun and it's a lot easier for me to scream than it is to sing. Uh, weirdly enough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we've been practicing again now that lockdown is lightening up and shit like that. Um, and so, yeah, we're absolutely, we're writing songs again. We're, we are fucking stoked to play live again. Um, and just do stuff. And actually, because a bunch of the members are in New Day Rising, New Day Rising just announced that they're, they're kind of get back together and start writing songs as well. So it's, it's cool to see them doing stuff as well but sure man a fucking pale drone is an awesome band i love being in that band yeah um like you mentioned um things kind of like opening back up and i was gonna ask because i was actually um i travel for work and i was in toronto basically from last july to last december so i think around july things were opening up a little like i you know everybody was out and you could eat at like at a restaurant and then I think it was around maybe after Halloween is when things like went into like a major, major shutdown again. Yep. Yep. So like how, how's that been for you? Like, has it been kind uh, of like, okay, I can focus on writing or. Uh, it honestly, I mean, for all that, it was focused on, uh, my daughter really. Um, because I, school is is such a fucked up thing uh so uh we're lucky where you know her her mom like is like we're we're both here but i would be working my ass off trying to start a company uh and katie was unable to work uh because she uh she owns and and runs uh, a salon uh so she was home and able to like help Marlo with the school. So really just like keeping the normal shit going, 
uh, and trying to make ends meet was was the focus of lockdown. Um, I, I didn't get a lot of writing done at all. It was really just like, get, get through it, man. Make sure that there's going to be fucking food to eat uh, and, and just keep going. I get that, man, because, yeah, obviously, like, like, the IT world, um, oh, yeah. where where I, like, work and travel, and we, like, my company has uh, data centers and, and server rooms, like, like, all over the world, and Canada was, like, one of the few places where they let us go, like, during the lockdown, and, yeah, yeah it was, it was very strange, like, having to be there for so long, and, Half of it was because I, you know, I had to quarantine for two weeks and yep. um, yeah, I was there, you know, I think maybe till the end of September and then I had, I left for like, went back home for two weeks and then I had to go back and Jesus. yeah, like uh, do the quarantine again and yeah, like I was going insane in my, <laughs> in my hotel room, man. <laughs> I have no doubt, man. Like that's a crazy way to live. It was. It, it's been an insane couple of years. Yeah, like, for sure. So, I, I, guess, I guess with with things opening up, you think that that Pildrone will be playing some local shows and stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah, most definitely. Like we're yeah, but we're we're excited to do it. We're like I said, we're writing new stuff, uh, and we'll definitely be playing shows as soon as we can for sure. And then, uh, do you do you think that I guess the next thing for you guys, besides playing shows, would be writing a, a full length? I'd like to. Yeah, we'd all like to for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, we basically just released two EPs, and one was just two songs. It was a two song seven inch. So yeah, we we definitely want to do a full a full album, full LP for sure. Is the next focus. Yeah, and like you mentioned, that doing the vocals were kind of easier than you thought, because I'm guessing you don't have to put that much thought into melody, more of just, like, the the timing of things. But, like, as far as lyrics go, do you feel like this is something that is completely different from Boys Night Out? And uh, I don't know, like, like, you feel like you have to talk about, like, different themes or... Or what was the inspiration no. behind lyrics for for that band? No, there's, uh, I I feel like there's a, a lot more wiggle room, and the shit that that I end up writing about is a lot darker um, than Boys Night Out, like blatantly darker uh, mm-hmm. because it can be, and that's just because that's just how it feels when I when I'm you know thinking about how I want it to be. It's just like, oh, that's a fucking angry song. Okay, well these lyrics gonna be fucking angry. I'm angry. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, it's it, it's just a physically easier thing to do. I I don't I lose my voice less when I'm screaming. Uh, that's crazy. But I guess I don't if you have the right that. technique. Then yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> and I certainly don't. I <laughs> do not. No idea what I'm doing. Oh man, we're we're an hour and a half, and it's been a blast. Um, yeah, trying man. to think of uh of other things we can ask before we wrap it up, like. What, what have you fuck. recently been uh, listening to? Like, what, uh, what's what been on your Spotify? Uh, fucking, I have been listening. It, it's really hard for me to hear new stuff because I'm not adventurous. Um, so unless I happen to be with somebody. But fucking, honestly, um, Sidekicks, Happiness Hours is a fucking, I love that record. I don't know if you've ever heard it. 
but Happiness Hours by uh, Sidekicks is a fucking awesome album. It's it's lighter. It's it's, it's don't go looking for something heavy. Uh, but that song there, there's a song on there called Medium in the Middle. Uh, that is just that's that's my jam. That's been my jam for well over a year now, and it's it's fun because my my daughter knows all the words. So if we're just out fucking driving around, she'll be like, "Hey, you put on Medium in the Middle," and she'll sing it at the top of her lungs. Um, but yeah, Happiness Hours by uh, Sidekicks is fucking phenomenal. Uh, Greet Death, um, I think, is a fucking cool ass band. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them or not. Uh, no, what, what was their name? Greet Death. Greet Death. All right, yeah, I'll have to. Uh, uh, yeah, fucking another amazing band. Uh, I'm really into the new Ryan Adams record, uh, Big Colors. That's I've been listening to a lot of that. Uh, I am. Okay. I I don't care who says shit. I fucking I'm a big Taylor Swift fan, and I'm really into the shit that she's putting out uh, right now. Uh, and that is just a fact. I love fucking Taylor Swift's music. I apologize for nothing. Uh, Dude, yeah. No, and uh, she works with. Uh, I don't know if you ever knew that that band Steel Train. They were. Um, yeah. Yeah, they they were on uh what's it called Drive Through Records, but the the main producer that she works with, Jack Antonoff, he used to be in Steel Train, and to me, like that's been like the craziest thing is seeing, you know, this artist from like I think they, yeah they're from Jersey, you know, they were on on Drive Through touring with bands like the Early November and yeah. and they were on on those DVDs with Census Vale, and out comes this one guy, and now he's co-writing every taylor swift song and every yeah. board song it's, yeah uh, fucking insane it's, man that's, but that that's, and that's the cool. cool shit i i love that i love seeing people that were you know a part of all that stuff that we were and they just go on and do this insane shit like this uh charles monez who is in you know the pettit project with me gang of five robots um mm-hmm. he you know he went on to help write and produce fucking some of Bruno Mars's biggest fucking songs. Like he's, you know, he's he's got a Grammy now and, and all that. It's fucking, it's cool as shit to see the people that you work with actually succeed in this fucking insane industry, uh, that I have a lot of shit to talk about mostly because I'm jealous. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fine. I love it. I, one thing that I've always loved is seeing people I know fucking succeed at what they do awesome at. And I, you see a lot of that coming out of the people that were playing the, in that scene. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. I, dude, I had to look up this band, uh, Greet Death on Spotify. Yeah. And just going looking at their uh, fans also like section, like I, I can tell them I'm going to like them and that they're kind of shoegazy because uh, yeah. I see Cloakroom on there and uh, um, Narrowhead, and if you haven't heard either of those bands, you should definitely oh, check man. them out because they're they're very good. Yeah. Oh man, Green Death, like the oh Jesus, just some super heavy guitars, but very melodic vocals, and just it's it's some good shit. Oh, I I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, because like Narrowhead, they're on. Uh, I think they're on Epitaph, and and you mentioned the Sidekicks, and they're on Epitaph also, but. Yep. Narrowhead uh, released like one of my favorite uh, records of of last year. Um, 
No, uh, I was actually thinking of a different band, but Narrowhead. <laughs> I, I like. I I just realized that again. Uh, Teenage Wrist and Narrowhead uh, mixed up because I I uh, found them like I I discovered them around the same time. But if wow. you do, yeah, definitely check out Teenage Wrist because they're good. Yeah, I will. That's I the band that I was thinking of. <laughs> I, I will listen to it. I have not heard it. I will listen to it. Yeah, I think you. I think you dig it. Um. Shoot, Ryan, do you have any more uh, questions for Connor? I could sit here all day talking to Connor if right. I really want to. <laughs> Fucking hang out, oh. man. Oh, shit. But um, I wanted to ask, like, um, as a musician, like, um, what is, like, your aspiration? Like, what do you, like, what does music do for you? Like, what do you get out of it? And what do you hope that as you're creating and crafting it, what do you hope that people take away from your music? I have always taken a lot of joy out of seeing what people take out of it. Um, just because, I mean, with Boys Night Out, you, you know, hearing what people think songs are about or, or how they're taken, like, that's that's amazingly satisfying. But it's just really, for me, is I just love doing it. It's, it's like a compulsion, man. Uh, I just, it's something that I can't, not do um like it's it's wild i just i love writing it it's ultimate catharsis i get to you know now as you know having a daughter it's something that i can involve her in and, and enjoy but you know if i if i could have my ultimate perfect life it would be to live off writing and creating music now is that going to happen probably not um but you know if I, oh my God, if somebody would just give me a billion dollars, please, um, and I could just write music all day, I, it would be, I would be the happiest man on earth. We got to get, we got to hit up Taylor Swift. I'm sure she can spare you a billion and yeah. also, dude, yeah, also buy, buy your records from, from, uh, who was it? No, it was in Atlantic Universal. Warner. Has, Warner, Warner. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's just doing, you know, she just, or she tried to buy all her records, but she got outbidded. Yeah. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> it, it's a wild game, man. And like I said, I, I don't have a lot of love for the way the industry is built, but it is an industry. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a business, man. Like, that's just, at the end of the day, I can't be too butthurt about it because it's a fucking business. And I signed the contracts. I, yeah. What? That's that's just how it is. We signed contracts that allowed us to tour the fucking world and make music, and I can't be that upset about it. But I do wish I owned my music. Yeah. So I I guess like with that being said, um, what kind of um, I I don't know. Like what what can you tell like like what can you suggest to like an upcoming band like yeah up up and coming band that's either thinking of signing to, you know, like one of these indie labels or, or even like, I don't know, like a, a major, like don't sign that, that 50, 50 record deal or, or what would you it's, say? I mean, do what's right for you. Uh, like I said, at the, if, if I could do it again, I probably would have signed the same contract uh, be, because that was the goal at the time is to go out and tour, but just, you know, Try and take the long fucking view. Like, protect yourself as musicians. 
Uh, and make sure that if, if you're going to sign a contract with somebody, make sure that it is what you want. Make sure that you know that down the line there will be consequences. And just But, like, do what you got to do. If your goal is to get out on the road and, like, have an insane experience, fucking do it. If your goal is to find somebody that will work with you and you will own your music and they're willing to do that, that's amazing. Do it. But just fucking just do it for you. Don't listen to people that are whispering in your ear. If you've started writing and playing music with your friends because that's what you want to do, keep fucking doing that because it is the best thing in the world to do. That's my advice. Do you, friends. That's beautiful. Sure. It's like enchantment <laughs> under the sea dance. Like this, all, the sea dance. this all came together really nicely, man. And like from like me and Moses, it's huge boys night outs fan. Like seriously, I, I hope that came across. Like you know that that we yeah, just a little bit. We love what you do, man. And like we're I huge fans. Away, dude. I I appreciate that hugely. Like thank you guys for letting me be a part of this. I I fucking love how this all came together. It's it's the kind of silliness and and fun that I I love the most. Yeah, and I, honestly, we're we're buddies now. Like, you know, hopefully there's emails going back and forth, and you know, if you ever want to send the those uh, train wreck demos our way, we'll, <laughs> we'll listen to them gladly. Oh, thank you. We'll, like, we'll let you know if they're okay, dude. We'll, we'll... I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'd love to see something come of that. But we are we are speaking with people right now about releasing that. Yeah. So. Perfect. I guess, yeah, where can people, like, give us all the social medias and, you know, like, where can people find stuff uh, about your company and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, Pictar is easy to find in terms of the company. And, again, we're, we're a small company uh, started by musicians doing augmented reality stuff that, that isn't really happening out there in the way that we're doing it. Like, we think that it's ideal for musicians and bands and artists uh, so, like, look it up, take a fucking chance on us and hit us up. We're very friendly people, but we can be found everywhere. Social media, uh, at Pictar app. So it's just the at symbol, P-I-C-T-A-R-A-P-P. Um, just find us on social media. Say hi. If you're a musician or something, ask a question. I'll answer any questions that people ask me at any time. I'm not shy. Um, and, terms of music you know uh pale drone i mean there's not other bands called pale drone you can find us we're around um but i mean if you find me on instagram or something which is c love it fraser c-l-o-v-a-t-f-r-a-s-e-r it links to all my shit uh if you're interested cool if not hey man no biggie it's cool it's out there all right well thank you again this has been awesome Oh, man, I had a blast. Thank you, guys. You're always welcome back here, dude. If you ever need to come back, advertise something more. You just want to come <laughs> on, and you can talk to one of our guests with us if you want. You're welcome back, like, 100%. Dude. Sick. Oh, no, I'll be your co-host. Yeah. All right, man, you have a good night. You too. Thanks a lot, dude. Take right, care, guys. Bye. Respect.